Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Drew Unscripted. We're coming at you guys with night two of WrestleMania 36. Full recap, full results. WrestleMania is now officially in the books, man. We had night one last night. By the way, I have my review for that. You can find that on here as well. You can also find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Man, what a night two, man. There's so much <laughs> that I got to say about this second night of WrestleMania. Like, wow. Like, I'm still speechless by some of the stuff we saw today, man. Some of the stuff we saw was pretty great, man. Let's get into it, guys. We had the kickoff. We had a second kickoff. We had a kickoff match. It was Natalia versus Liv Morgan. Nothing much about this match. This match was basically just randomly put together. Didn't make a lot of sense, considering the fact that the last time we seen Liv Morgan on WWE TV, I know this was WrestleMania, but the last time we saw her on WWE TV, she was actually teaming up with Natalya. So I just thought that that was a little weird that they, you know, would have them face each other. One could argue, well, Liv Morgan basically was selfish because she allowed her personal issues for her former Riot Squad members, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot, to take over. That's why she literally abandoned Natalia in that match. But this match was nothing. It was like literally back and forth. Liv Morgan got the win. Good for Liv Morgan. She can say she won at WrestleMania. Still on the kickoff, but at WrestleMania, nonetheless. Nonetheless. <laughs> easy for me to say. Now we have the main card. <laughs> The reason why I laugh is because it's just it's just crazy how everybody you know the emotions were there like even with no crowd the emotions were there cuz it's still WrestleMania and it's just crazy to see like how you know this WrestleMania happened still a lot of people they did say that they wouldn't be upset if it was canceled. Maybe from a safety precaution to the talent, it would have been good to have it canceled. Definitely, I would have understood. But they still gave us a show. And before and before I get on with the card, I just want to say real quick, you know, I have nothing but respect for WWE for still having the show, even though I do think it should have been canceled. But to all the wrestlers that are currently performing, not just in WWE, but that are still being like AEW, still putting on shows, even if it is pre-recorded, I still appreciate that. And for all the wrestlers that competed tonight, I know it was taped last week, but I still appreciate that. So obviously, the appreciation and the gratitude is definitely all there for WWE and AEW. And as a wrestling fan, like... I couldn't be any more thrilled to be watching your shows. Alright guys. So we obviously had a pretty good opener. We had the NXT Women's Championship. We had Charlotte Flair challenging Rhea Ripley. Now this was a match that I was looking forward to. This was one of the matches that I was looking forward to. Just because it's a fresh match. It's first time ever one-on-one. -on -one. I know we had Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in that triple threat match that featured Sasha Banks I think and then we had them compete 
in that Survivor Series traditional tag team match, which was obviously NXT versus Raw versus SmackDown. But Rhea Ripley has obviously been booked pretty strong. She was she's been booked strong ever since Takeover War Games, Survivor Series, and prior to that, her run in NXT UK, she was pretty dominant. So obviously, I think that they see something major in Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair is obviously one of their best. And these two put on a good match, man. The story was Charlotte taking out Rhea Ripley's leg. That was a story. As soon as Charlotte Flair, just like her father, as soon as she started working on that leg, she knew, I got this girl. I got her. Ripley did hit Charlotte Flair with the Riptide pretty early on to the point where I thought they were going to do a quick finish. I was like, oh shit, they're going to do an upset. But I just can't picture that happening to Charlotte Flair, not on WrestleMania. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I know that sounds a little cliche. <laughs> we had a good back and forth. You know, these two definitely are both pretty tall. So they can obviously measure up pretty well. So Charlotte Flair, like I said, worked on the knee. Rhea Ripley was pretty much taking... Rhea Ripley was selling pretty great, man. Rhea Ripley's selling abilities. I want to give her credit on that because she's so young into her career and she gets it. Like, she's so young into her career and she sells pretty good at this... At the early stages of her career. Imagine her first... Especially her first WrestleMania. Like, could you imagine that? Your first WrestleMania and you're just... Your selling ability is just... It's just on point. So I got to give Ripley credit on that. Her selling abilities was just incredible. Charlotte Flair delivered some mean looking chop blocks to Rhea Ripley to the point where it hurt me because I was like, oh shit, like if you grab your leg and somebody just like literally smashes your knees together and you get knocked down, oh man, that shit's just painful as hell I could imagine. We had Rhea Ripley trying to fight back, but Charlotte Flair kept on working over that knee Charlotte Flair attempted one of her signature moonsaults, which I never thought she executed all that well. I felt like, in a way, she kind of made it look, she kind of messed it up, and she could literally mess herself up, and also the person she's working with. But she was going to go for a moonsault. I'm a little surprised they didn't have the moonsault spot that she does, you know, when she is on the turnbuckle and the opponent's on the outside. But she was going for the moonsault. Ripley caught her. Hit a reversed electric chair. Charlotte kicked out. Rhea Ripley tried to come back, but Charlotte Flair kept on working on the knee. Eventually, Charlotte Flair got Rhea Ripley in the figure four. Then she transitioned to the figure eight. And Rhea Ripley tried to fight. She tried to fight, but all of a sudden, she taps out. And there you go. Charlotte Flair is your brand new NXT Women's Champion. For me, in my opinion... Not the best decision, only because I just feel like Charlotte Flair has already established herself. They've already established her as one of their top female talents, and I understand she's Charlotte Flair, but to me, that's not a good enough reason. I don't think she should have won this match. I don't think she needed the win. I think Rhea Ripley, just from a young career standpoint she should have got the win even though sometimes just because you're you're a young start out doesn't mean you're always going to get the win but i just felt that 
she should have got the victory here. And it could have really elevated NXT, you know, on the biggest show of the year for WWE. But we got Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is now going to be, I, I believe, it's going to be interesting. Now she's going to be full-time with NXT for a little while. How's that going to happen? I mean, obviously, the positive with this is I think you can get some good matches between Charlotte Flair. We do have that NXT women's ladder match for the number one contender spot. So we could potentially be seeing Charlotte Flair take on some talent, some NXT talent. And look, there's some matches I think I think Charlotte Flair could have in NXT that would be good. Like I think if you get her and Candice LeRae, you can have her and Bianca Belair one more time. You can have her, and I, I'd like to see her and Shotzi Blackheart. Maybe her and Deanna Perrazzo. I mean, so there's some stuff you can do. And, you know, you could also even do a rematch between her and Rhea Ripley. I wouldn't mind seeing that. But Charlotte Flair won. This was good stuff. Rhea Ripley, obviously, in my mind, she got over just, you know, with her selling ability and being able to hang in there with Charlotte Flair. We knew... We knew Rhea Ripley could hang. Rhea Ripley's obviously talented, and she's the future of the women's division on whichever brand she goes on. But moving on, we had we had our second match. Let me check my notes real quick. We had Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley. Another match that had no build. Another match that was basically thrown together for the sake of getting everybody on the card. And also, I think, obviously, because I don't know if this was always their plan to have Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley, because, like I said, they didn't have no story with these guys. It was just literally thrown together. But we had the match. Aleister Black is obviously one of their best talents. He's another guy that I think is the future of the company, maybe a future world champion on the main roster. He's already a former NXT champ, and I think he was a champion around the world before he came to the WWE. But I would say, you know, hey man, if you build him up and you get him and McIntyre for the WWE Championship, that'd be pretty good. And yes, I did I did just spoil the ending, but I'm sure, because I am uploading this pretty late, I am sure you guys know the news by now. But Aleister Black, like I said, this guy is a future Intercontinental Champion. He is a future an IC Champion, future United States Champion. I think Aleister Black is definitely the future of the company. And him winning at WrestleMania just in general to me is cool. Because I think the guy is that over. He had his entrance and his entrance was pretty cool. He had this kind of like spiked hooded gear on. He looked dope. Like he looked like he was ready to kick some ass and he definitely was. Then he had Bobby Lashley who Bobby Lashley... You know, a lot of people say, oh man, the guy, he's boring. But one thing about Bobby Lashley is, Lashley is very athletic. Like, Lashley can make it believable, like, when he's fighting you, that he could be dominant. And he was kind of debuting a little bit of a new look, too. Instead of uh, trunks, he had just, like, straight-up long tights. And, he, of course, he came out with Lana, his on-screen wife. <laughs> and they had the match. It was... Back and forth, I, I like the exchange that they had. Aleister Black hit a pretty nice moonsault from the top rope onto the outside. Lashley got the, got the upper hand a little bit, but in the end, Black Mask. There was one part in the match where, where Bobby Lashley 
he he was looking at Lana and he was blowing kisses to Lana, you know, because Lashley was like, oh yeah, I got a I got a hot wife. But then all of a sudden, Black Mass. Lashley was going for the spear, I think it was. Then all of a sudden, Black Mass out of nowhere. One, two, three. Alistair Black wins his first ever match at WrestleMania, and he beats Bobby Lashley. Wouldn't be surprised if we get a rematch down the road, but here it was a good back-and-forth exchange. I'd like to see Al Aleister Black mix it up with anyone, and I think his matches would be good. But at the same time, you do want that storytelling. You do want to know, why should we watch this match? Why should we care about a random pairing? But for me, it's like, you know, I respect the sport so much that... You know, you never know. Things are thrown together sometimes, and they end up being really great, and, we, and then we want to see it again. You know, that's just how it is sometimes. But that match was definitely interesting. I enjoyed Aleister Black. Anytime Aleister Black hits a black mass, it's a thing of beauty. Just like a couple weeks ago when he hit it on that talent that was... He's actually from Evolve. The way he sold that kick was just incredible. I'm, I'm blinking on the name, but it was Enhancement Talent. I'm, I'm blinking on the name, but... That sell was incredible. Obviously, the end of the Black Mass is obviously one of their top finishers currently, I think. And then we had Otis taking on Dolph Ziggler. Arguably, this has been one of WWE's best storylines, I think, on the main roster. I've loved this storyline so much. It's so relatable, and I think everyone involved has done really good with what they've been given. You know, Dolph Ziggler is that guy that, you know, you just want to punch in the face because he's the guy that's cocky. He's the guy that he'll take your girl and he won't give a shit about it. But in his mind, he's not just attached to one girl. He wants to go from girl to girl to girl. So he's that guy that, you know, he's talented as hell, but he don't mind taking your girl. And he even he'll even tell you about it. He has no shame, man, when it comes to that. And then you have Otis, who is just so likable because the guy's just so charismatic. He's so talented. And for being on the main roster for as short as he's been, because I don't think he's been there for more than maybe a year, I would say. Maybe almost two years. The guy has just gotten over so much. Oddly enough, he's gotten over kind of with this alone. I mean, he's always been over because of the worm. But with this, like, the guy definitely is on his way to superstardom. If not, he's already reached it. But you had the match. It was a revenge match. You had Ziggler come out. Obviously, we got we got the big reveal that it was definitely Od It was definitely Dolph and Sonya that were behind all the miscommunication between Mandy and Otis. Sonya Deville came out with Dolph. Otis came out by himself. No Tucker, cause Tucker and storyline is still selling that zigzag on the steel steps. I think uh, Michael Cole and JBL even, well, Michael Cole even said that Tucker was injured. But you had the match. Ziggler was running around. Otis got Ziggler. Nice back and, nice back and forth between them two. Ziggler was beating up Otis for a little while, choking him on the ropes. Sonya Deville was looking on. Sonya Deville looked pretty good tonight, I'll tell you that. You know, Sonya Deville is definitely really gorgeous, I think. And you had Otis... Getting back in the getting back in the fight, Otis was throwing around Ziggler again, tossing him around. Mandy got on the apron. Otis 
you know, made, made the same mistake that a lot of baby faces make where they take the right off the ball. But it's just, to, it's just, it's to make it believable. Dolph hit a low blow, which didn't look all that great. It looked pretty weak, but still, and storyline, it'll get the job done. I don't care who you are. That shit will slow you down. Then we got Mandy, we got Mandy Rose coming out. Sonya Deville had tried to get involved again. Then all of a sudden we hear Mandy, which is Mandy Rose's theme song. For those of you that don't know, Mandy came out. She looked good in her outfit too. At first I thought she was naked when she was running out there, but then I'm like, oh shit, that's just the color of her outfit. I'm not even trying to be funny, guys. Like I just le legitimately, I was like, wait, what the hell? And then, which I'm sure a lot of you guys would like, because obviously, come on, it's Mandy Rose to be fair. Obviously, Sonia and Mandy are no longer a team. We had Mandy Rose literally slap Sonia Deville. She started beating on her a little bit, got Sonia on the ring, gave a low blow to Ziggler, pretty much indicating that she is like, screw you guys. And then we had Otis hit the, what is it, the worm, and then he got the victory. After the match, Mandy Rose jumped on Otis's arms, kissed Otis, and now we have our couple. Otis gets the girl, and finally, it was the story. It was the ending to the story. It was the ending we all wanted, and now Mandy and Otis are a couple. Don't know how long they're gonna do this, but again, it was a great WrestleMania moment. I actually caught this. Weeks ago, I was like, man, this would be a really great WrestleMania moment, and that's exactly what we got. So good stuff here. Really happy for Otis and Mandy. Really happy to see the storyline. I'm sure it's going to still continue. I don't think Dolph and Sonya are done yet. Maybe we'll, get a, maybe we'll get either Mandy versus Sonya on SmackDown. Maybe they already taped that. Maybe when they start taping again. Or maybe we're gonna or maybe when things get back to normal, we'll probably get like a mixed tag. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. But good stuff here. Great ending to a great story. Great WrestleMania mo moment for Otis indeed and Mandy. Next we had one of the matches that I was desperately looking forward to, and that is the last man standing match. That is right. Edge coming back, wrestling at WrestleMania for the first time. In years, his first ever singles match, Randy Orton, who obviously is back in his zone as a heel. We all know Randy Orton when he's a heel. He's there's nobody better than Randy Orton. We had the video package, a great video package, just showing you how we got here. Edge came out, looked ready to go. Randy Orton was next to come out, didn't come out. Edge just standing in the ring. Orton doesn't come out. People are like, oh, well, Edge, man, in storyline, you should know by now, you're a veteran. You know, you should know that it's going to be a sneak attack, most likely. But, you know, they just wanted to play it off. All of a sudden, we see an RKO. Randy Orton was dressed like a camera guy. Randy Orton takes the clothes off, and he's hits another RKO, tries to get an early 10 count. Of course, Edge gets back up. They start brawling. Now... To me, this match was a classic because we don't really see too many matches where the wrestlers, well, we, we don't really see too much matches that are like, you know, gimmick matches to where a wrestler, the wrestlers will take the fight to the back. So 
when I saw that, I was automatically like, you got me. Like, this is a classic to me. You have two of the best in the world facing each other. Two of the best of all time finally facing off this build between the both of these guys and the promo work has just been phenomenal it's just been fire it's been incredible so i was definitely looking forward to see what they can do together after all these years facing each other because we know we've there's been a lot of matches between edge and randy orton who'll ever forget that time back in 2004 when they had a classic for the ic championship when edge ended randy orton's year-long championship reign as ic champion intercontinental champ that was i believe vengeance 2004 but this match like i said it went to the back it went to the training room the training facility because that's how big the performance center is we had a, a part we had a spot where randy orton was literally choking edge with the cable with those weight cables i didn't know what they were earlier because i don't work out guys i'm a pretty chubby guy but we had edge getting choked out with those weight cables which is kind of, if you think about it, it's kind of a little shocking that WWE would do that, knowing that that's how, unfortunately, Chris Benoit took his own life. I don't want, I don't want to get negative, but if you guys didn't see the dark side of the ring, that, and we've known this for a long time, but that's how Chris Benoit basically, unfortunately, ended his life all those years ago. So I just thought that that was a little weird. I'm not going to get into it that much. I might do a video where I talk about Dark Side of the Ring, even though it's been out for a couple weeks already. But I did watch it, and I did really enjoy it. I followed this story as a fan for quite a while. So I will definitely do a video. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'll mix it in with my Raw review. We'll see. Maybe I'll do a Part 1, Part 2. But back to the Edge and Randy Orton match. I just thought that was a little uncomfortable to see. And I didn't really think about it at first, to be quite honest with you, because it was just done. And I just thought, oh, well, this is just a spot in the match. Maybe in storyline, Randy's trying to take out Edge's neck again. I have no idea. You know, who knows what Randy wants to do? The guy's psychotic. I mean, the guy thinks he's doing this for the love of Edge. You know, the guy's psychotic. And by the way, they mentioned the name of their daughters a little too much. But we had Edge getting back in the fight. Edge did this move where he had Randy sitting on a chair. Edge was climbing on top of, I think it was like a pole, and he jumps right on Orton. I mean, these guys were beating the hell out of each other, like you would expect. Randy tossed Edge off of the little mini stage, neck first into the barricade, which looked brutal. Anytime Edge takes bumps, I literally get scared for the guy, just like Daniel Bryan. Although with Daniel Bryan, I guess not that much as compared to Edge, just because... I guess Edge was out longer than Daniel Bryan was and stuff like that. And Edge, I think, has had more injuries than Daniel Bryan has to his neck. Then again, I don't know because Daniel Bryan's another guy that's one of the greatest of all times. One of the best in his generation. And he's still one of the best. Daniel Bryan's still one of the best. Very happy to see him, you know, coming back like he did, you know, a year ago or already almost two and a half years ago since he's been back out of retirement. But we had the fight going to the back again, Edge and Randy Orton. Then they went to the to the meeting room where that long table where I think Triple H will be there with his creative team for NXT. And they just fought all over the place, man. We had the fight continue to the parking lot. 
Edge and Randy Orton were fighting by the big production truck for NXT. We've seen Randy Orton hit a draping DDT on top of a truck, which looked brutal. This match was pretty long. I will say that it did feel real long, but I appreciated it because my thing was like, this is the first time we're gonna. This is the first time we're seeing Edge in a singles match at WrestleMania. I can handle it. But a lot of people did say the match was a little too long. I know a lot of people didn't like the match like they thought they would. But in my mind, and you know, to each his own, of course. But in my mind, I thought it was a classic just by them going to the back and them getting physical. I guess you could say because we don't really get this kind of stuff on WWE at all. And maybe just because also, you know, it's edge. You know what I mean? But I think, again, like there's some stuff where it's like, man, if the crowd was there. It would have been so much better, but obviously these two guys were beating the hell out of each other. Edge and Randy Orton at this point, I was like, man, these guys are just killing it, man. Like we knew they could. So prop to both these guys for, you know, still competing and being professionals. I really appreciate that as a fan, even though if they wouldn't have wanted to do it, I would have been completely understand. It would have been completely understandable, but to everyone that competed on this card, obviously you guys are freaking incredible. So we had the fight get taken to the production truck on top of the production truck. And I'll be honest with you guys. At first, I did think that we were going to see some crazy spot where maybe Edge spears Randy off the production truck or tosses Randy, you know, fucking Undertaker McFoley style off the production truck, which was a little higher. The cell, meaning it was a little higher. Not the production truck, but we did have the fight continue. There was a spot where Edge had Randy Orton on a table and Edge jumped, I think, off a truck, not the not the production truck, onto Randy Orton. Back onto the production truck, Randy Orton was going to go for an RKO. He hit an RKO on the production truck, but Edge beat the 10 count. Both guys were spent. They were sweaty. They were just physically beaten up. But they kept fighting, man. They kept getting up and beating the 10 count and the match continued edge would then hit a edge then hit a pretty nice looking spear on Randy Orton at this point edge was already going to be winning the match he hit a concerto but he looked like he was a little reluctant he looked like he was a little nervous to do it cuz in storyline it's like this guy was my best friend but not much of a christian best friend like christian is but this this guy was like my best friend. So there was there there looked to be a little hesitation. And of course, you know, Christian, Edge and Christian. There looked like there was a little bit of hesitation right there on Edge's part. But then Edge just remembered everything that Randy had done to him and his family. And he freaking hit a mean looking concerto. And that was it, man. He got the victory. After the match, he was saying something to Randy. I have to go back and watch. I, I did not really catch what he was saying. But I'm sure it was just, you know, you made me do this. You know what I mean? You know, you brought this out of me. You brought this fight. You know, you made me crazy psychotic. Overall, man, this last man standing match to me was a classic. I loved it. Randy just completely killed it. Edge still has it. I'm happy to see that he's going to be back for a while. Three-year contract. Don't know how, if he's going to be there regularly if he's not it's completely understandable but i appreciate the promo work and the storyline telling that they got here 
and the build for this match, it was just phenomenal. This storyline has been great. One of WWE's best storylines on Raw in the company. Edge and Randy Orton com- completely t- completely teared it up for almost 40 minutes, 36 minutes to be exact. But in the end, the rated R superstar, like a lot of us expected, got the victory. And Edge is back, man. He is back. And he looks better than ever. Could we see a rematch? Maybe. Could we see, like, a, like you know, them getting back together, burying the hatchet? You never know. As far as who I think Edge will face in the future, you can get him and Seth Rollins. I would do that first. You could get maybe him challenging for the world championship again someday. Hey, maybe we can get Edge become WWE champion again someday. You never know. Then we had the Raw Tag Team Championships. We had the Street Profits taking on Angel Garza and Austin Theory, a team that was just randomly put together, but obviously for obvious reasons. This match was great. These guys are four of the most talented competitors that are currently in the world of WWE. Obviously, Austin Theory, this kid, is a real blue chipper. He's one of the, he's incredible at what he does. Former Evolve champion. Unfortunately, I did not ever get to meet him or see him live because he did wrestle at one of the main shows that I go to, my main show, Bar Wrestling, once. That was before I started going. I would have loved to have met him because I think this kid is just phenomenal. He's so talented. He has great moves. And he's going to be a future, maybe a future Intercontinental Champion. Maybe a future WWE Champion. He's that damn good. I mean, I think he's still with NXT. Maybe a future NXT Champion or North American Champion. He's that talented, man. And so is Angel Garza. The guy's got so much charismatic. The guy's so charismatic. The guy's so talented. And the Street Profits, great tag team. Incredible. So You know, they were so incredibly over with NXT. Maybe don't have that same that same, you know, luck with the main roster so far. But these guys are definitely talented. And this match did everything it was supposed to do. You had the Street Profits retaining the championships after the match in Assault from Garza and Theory. Zelina Vega even got physical. And then we had Bianca Belair. That is right. Bianca Belair came down and she saved... Both Street Profits, of course, for those of you that don't know in real life, Bianca Belair is the real-life wife of Montez Ford. So don't know if she's going to be with them permanently. Don't know if she's going to be on the main roster. Don't know what's going to happen with her, but she hasn't really done much in NXT as of late. She's not in that NXT Women's Championship Opportunity Ladder Matches, that number one contender ladder matches, nor was she in the the gauntlet or in the tournament. But great moment for her and the great moment for the Profits, man. Profits retained the gold or the silver because the championship belts are silver. And that was pretty much it, man, with that one. That was pretty much it. You know, they got the smoke. They wanted the smoke and they got the smoke, man. And so did Bianca Belair. And then we had the Fatal Five-Way for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bayley defends against Sasha Banks, her best friend. Tamina Snuka, Naomi, and Lacey Evans. Now, I had forgot this match was elimination, to be quite honest with you. But we had them all going after Tamina Snuka. Tamina Snuka was the threat to all of them. They all pinned Tamina Snuka. 
and Tamina Snuka was eliminated. And I was like, wait a minute. They all won the championship? You know what I mean? I had forgot it was elimination. Prior to this, we did have a little tease for a team bad reunion between Sasha, Naomi, and Tamina. But Tamina was like, fuck that. She kicked both, both Sasha and Naomi. And then they eliminated, of course, Tamina. And then we had Bailey and Sasha. Bailey and Sasha basically were a team throughout the whole match, and I caught that. I think a lot of us called it. I think, you know, I called it the other day on the podcast. We all knew that they were going to basically team up, but we didn't know what was going to happen in terms of a finish or in terms of maybe possibly some miscommunication. And there was, and I'll get to that. We had Naomi and Lacey Evans, you know, the two baby faces getting beaten down. Her and Lacey Evans squared off a couple times in the match, as did Tamina, as did with Bailey and Sasha. But in the end, of course, Naomi was eliminated by Sasha Banks. She hit the bank statement, Naomi tapped out. So obviously, this is going to create a two-on-one advantage for Bailey and Sasha on Lacey Evans, which they did do. We had, prior to that, Naomi and Bailey brawling on the outside. Bailey got Naomi back in, and Naomi was gone from the match. Lacey Evans tried to fight back, but she was still getting beat down. And there was a point where I actually thought, oh, maybe they are going to give Lacey the belt, which I wouldn't be the biggest fan of just because I don't I don't think as a baby face it's really working out for her. Just, you know, just my honest opinion with that. My honest opinion. But there was a part in the match where Bailey was going to go for a knee. Her and Sasha were obviously, you know, making fun of Lacey Evans, you know, just digging at her, telling her all kinds of shit, bringing up her daughter, Summer. I think is I think her name is Summer. And Bailey was going to go for a knee. She actually hit Sasha, which kind of caused a little communication, miscommunication between them both, a little bit of an argument, I think, which I didn't really pay that much attention to because the action was going that fast. And then we got Sasha getting hit with the woman's right, which Lacey would eliminate Sasha Banks. So now you got a, a Royal Rumble rematch. You got Sasha gone. Then you just got Bailey and Lacey Evans. Now, up until this point, I did like the psychology of the match. You have the two heels working together. You think, okay, maybe Sasha will turn on her right there. Or maybe Bailey will, will, will turn on her. Bailey's mindset is... You know, I got an ally. She's helping me win. And as long as I'm the champ, we're cool. We had Lacey trying to fight Bailey. Bailey was beating up Lacey, taunting her a little more about her daughter, giving her the army salute. All of a sudden, we get Lacey building up some momentum. She was about to capitalize on the victory. Sasha came out, and that was pretty much it. You know, put the disqualification because there was no disqualification, or should I say distraction, my bad guys, it is pretty late <laughs> here in LA, and then Bailey hit her finisher, I forgot what her finisher was called, she doesn't do the Bailey to belly anymore, but she got the victory, Sasha Banks got in the ring, there looked like there was going to be a fight between Sasha and Bailey, just by the way that they were staring at each other, but she actually put the strap on Bailey, so just by that, we did kind of get that tease that, okay, maybe this is what they're going to build up to. And I did say in my prediction videos that I think we're going to get a build for Bailey and Sasha at some point. 
wouldn't surprise me, no matter what the outcome was. So I like the way that this match was booked. I did like Bailey and Sasha still working together. And WWE is kind of leaving you wanting to know, okay, when, when are they going to do Bailey and Sasha? Maybe at SummerSlam. We'll have to wait and see. Or maybe sooner than that. Maybe at the next pay-per-view. But this was good. Bailey getting her win. I thought she was going to lose to either Sasha or Lacey Evans, but she got the win. You guys can go back and check out my preview and prediction video. I did say I'm picking either Bailey or Sasha, but I do think maybe Lacey will win. So we have the next match, man. We had <laughs> the most interesting match, I would say, if you could even call it a match. We had the Firefly Funhouse. Cinematic as fuck. The Fiend versus Cena. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. The Fiend and Cena were about to enter. Well, Cena was about to enter the Fiend's world. Cena came out for a regular entrance. I was kind of like, oh, wait, is it going to be in the arena? Or is it going to be in the center? The performance center, I should say. But this is when we started to see the cinematic effects take, in, take place. Well, right off the bat, I was like, oh, this shit's going to be fun. I always knew this was going to be fun. And especially seeing that Boneyard match with how beautiful it was done. I was like, man, this should be great. They should, This should be great. And Cena being in it, he probably had some crazy ideas. Of course, Bray Wyatt is very charismatic with his creating ability. We had a series of spoofs where... We would see Bray Wyatt talking like Kurt Angle, and we would see John Cena come out. Actually, he would, he came out in his original gear, and it was weird, man. It was crazy. John Cena came out. The SmackDown fist was in the back. We had so much of Bray Wyatt, you know, making John Cena basically relive his past in Bray Wyatt's world. So it was basically like one whole hallucination point with Bray Wyatt, you know, attacking Cena, picking his spots. But he was mentally trying to attack him like Bray Wyatt does, like The Fiend does. We had spoofs of that. We had spoofs of John Cena being back in his thugonomic style. We had the Vince McMahon puppet. Cena looking at the Vince puppet. You know, just, that's this is good shit. And yes, they did use that word, which I appreciated. We even had a spoof of Saturday Night's main event. We had Animotion Obsession, which was the theme song for a tag team in bar wrestling, you know, P.P. Ray. Shout out to P.P. Ray. And that was the first time I ever heard of the song. So I was like, oh shit, this is the main event song for Saturday Night Main Event from 1984. This is cool. At this point, I really enjoyed the effects that they were doing. I loved the cinematic feel. I knew it was going to be great. I really appreciated that. Great editing, great, you know movie-like match then we had Cena and Bray Wyatt like as a tag team we had them replay Wrestlemania 30 with Bray Wyatt in his old Bray Wyatt attire Cena in his attire that he wore from Wrestlemania 30 Cena would try to fight back as the Doctor of Thugonomics Bray Wyatt hit John Cena with that steel chain that Cena used to have remember that that lock chain he used to have that steel lock chain Bray Wyatt got Cena back up. Cena would start to beat on Bray Wyatt. All of a sudden, Cena comes back to himself. He's in his regular gear, but in back of him is the Fiend. The Fiend hits him with a splash. 
then back to Cena in WrestleMania 30 gear. It was literally going back and forth. Bray Wyatt was dancing with him like he used to. Then we, then we get him beating on Bray Wyatt. Then all of a sudden, Bray Wyatt's not there. Cena would try to hit him several times, and Bray Wyatt would disappear. Now, there were rumors that we were going to see both versions of Bray Wyatt. Regular Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, and The Fiend. And I was kind of like, well, they can pull it off. Certainly, I think they can pull it off. And they did just that, man. Then all of a sudden, we get John Cena in his regular gear. And he was in a ring in a dark room. Then here comes The Fiend. The Fiend gets him in the mandible claw. And never gets a pinfall victory. But basically, Cena's laying down. He's finished in the match. And Bray Wyatt, in my mind, wins. Really, really great stuff, man. Really, really great stuff. We had so much spoofs. And oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting this one. But I am pretty tired, guys. So I do excuse that. But we had John Cena dressed as Hollywood NWO Hulk Hogan. We had Eric Bischoff. You know, his spoof was being played by The Fiend. So we had an NWO WCW Nitro spoof in this Firefly Funhouse Massacre, man. That was incredible. <laughs> Bray Wyatt was pretending to be Eric Bischoff. Cena came out pretending to be Hollywood Hulk Hogan, NWO-style Hogan. And I think that was the craziest skit of the whole entire Firefly Funhouse match, man. Really, really well put together. Shout out to Bray Wyatt and John Cena and to the production team. This was incredible. Much like the Bonair match, this was epic. I liked it so much. And then we had the main event for the WWE Championship. We had Brock Lesnar defending against Drew McIntyre. Now, obviously, WWE has obviously played over and over. You know, Brock getting eliminated by Drew McIntyre from the Royal Rumble. So obviously, Drew McIntyre was getting put was get, was getting booked as a babyface. Pretty good for this match. We had the match, Le Lesnar and McIntyre. I'm a little disappointed by it because I just felt like it was rushed a little too quick. It was like about four minutes. But then I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And there were rumors that Brock Lesnar did get into it with Vince McMahon for still even having this show. I would not be surprised if Brock was like, I want to go four minutes and that's it. Maybe, you know, I'll put, I'll, I'll put Drew over for the belt, but I want to leave in four minutes for this match. And I'm going to be getting paid great for this. And maybe, who knows, maybe Brock will will get what he wants. See what I mean? But for those of you that don't know, and I did want to talk about this, there was a rumor that Brock was not happy about WrestleMania still taking place like a lot of other talent wasn't happy. And he got into a, so much so he got into a little altercation with Vince, which I'm pretty sure happened. You never know if it did or didn't. But this was great. You know, having Brock Lesnar come out there, it looked pretty cool seeing him just wrestling in the PC. Drew McIntyre and Brock. Brock hit McIntyre right away. Hit a couple F5s. McIntyre hit a Claymore kick pretty early. But Brock would come back, hit like three F5s. McIntyre kept kicking out. McIntyre was spent from those F5s. Then he started hitting Brock with some Claymore kicks. Hit him with a couple and literally pinned Brock Lesnar and became your brand new WWE champion. That is right. 
this match was real short. <laughs> but then again, like I said, you know, I think it was maybe Brock's request. And I, was, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these matches were shorter for safety precautions, which I do hope is the case because your health and your safe, your safety has to come first, no doubt about it. But McIntyre is a brand new WWE champion. Happy for him. The guy deserved it. You can tell he's probably just emotionally happy. Maybe him and Brock get along backstage. So Brock was like, man, giving this kid the belt's a great move. But I'll probably take it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wouldn't be surprised if we get a rematch down the road. Wouldn't be surprised if, and I actually was talking to one of my buddies about this. I wouldn't be surprised if Brock gets the championship back by the next pay-per-view. We'll just have to wait and see, man. But, but McIntyre is our brand new champion. This match was pretty short. That's why my review for this match is pretty short. McIntyre didn't get to win in front of a live crowd. But you know what? This was better than nothing for him, I think. And he made the most out of it. Everybody made the most out of it. I appreciate them. And this was just incredible, man. I appreciate all the TV that we've gotten. Because even though it wasn't the best TV, maybe. But we still got something. And I'm still I'm grateful for that. So McIntyre wins, he celebrates, Heyman's outside looking all sad, and just like, damn, I thought, you know, I said Brock Lesnar was going to win, I said he was, and then McIntyre wins. So obviously, in storyline, Heyman's obviously very disappointed, Paul Heyman, that is, Paulie Dangerously. McIntyre celebrates, there was a, there was one second where I thought, hey, what if Paul Heyman gets in the ring, and he raises McIntyre's hand, and you have a brand new Paul Heyman guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be something, him finally turning on Brock again. But we had McIntyre win. McIntyre celebrated. And WrestleMania 36 goes off the air, man. Overall, man, night one and night two for me, they both delivered with their big matches. A lot of the newer first-time matches like Street Profits, Garza, Theory, Ripley, Charlotte Flair... You know, Otis and Ziggler, those matches were really solid. The triple threat ladder match with Morrison, the Uso, you know, Jimmy Uso and Kofi delivered. Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens delivered. The psychology be between those guys was was great. That elbow, that elbow drop off the WrestleMania logo was epic. The Boneyard match was phenomenal, no pun intended. Scene Taker come back as the biker was incredible. The women's matches between Becky and Shayna, Bailey, and you know the other competitors. Both matches were booked incredibly good, I think. I think Baszler and Becky was booked good in the sense that how physical they were with each other. Still think Shayna should have won the championship just because I think you could have really built up Shayna as like an unbeatable, unstoppable force, even though we know she already is. But overall, man, this WrestleMania, look, this WrestleMania wasn't the WrestleMania we needed because we, we could have been okay with it being postponed, but it was what we got. And I'm grateful for them still putting on a show and taking the risk and giving us, you know, the old analogy, the show must go on. And I really appreciate them coming up, like following up on that, man, follow, following with that. Could not be any more proud. With that being said, guys, I know I'm I sound like I'm falling asleep. I am gonna be getting out of here, guys. That was your WrestleMania night one and night and night two recap. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. You guys can follow me 
on Instagram at Drew underscore villain 96. Once again, that is Drew underscore villain 96. I would love if you guys can DM me. Just let me know what you guys think I need to improve on. Let me know what you guys think of the podcast. Would any of you guys like me to talk about something certain? Maybe you guys, and I wanted to try this, you guys can DM me some random questions and I can review them on a on the podcast. I would love to do an episode where I talk where I do questions, answer as many questions as possible. That would be fun. You guys can also follow my podcast and listen to me on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Also, of course, here on Anchor, on the Anchor app. With that being said, guys, hopefully you guys enjoyed WrestleMania. I enjoyed, you know, some of the big matches, like obviously the last man standing match, the Boneyard match, you know, the the freaking Otis and Ziggler storyline. I enjoyed all that, man, on this card. Hopefully you guys are safe. Stay safe. We'll see what happens in the tapings we still have with WWE. Shout out to WWE for still doing this show with the circumstances. I will see you guys very soon. You guys are awesome. I'll be back with another video tomorrow. We got Monday Night Raw, the recap coming tomorrow. With that being said, guys, take care. Have a great night. And we'll be back tomorrow, guys. Peace. Such a talent.